0: Do you ever get that feeling when you're looking at your instrument sitting there in the corner and you just don't feel like picking it up? It's kind of a strange feeling because deep inside you're excited about music and jazz and you want to improve and, you know, you have that idea of practicing. But then when you actually go to do it, there's some kind of resistance there. And sometimes the reason that is is because practicing can sometimes be boring. That is if you practice in a boring way. So, in today's episode, we're gonna talk about five ways to make practice not boring so that you're having fun when you go to pick up your instrument and learn new things. Let's talk about that. All right, my friends. What's up? Brett here from Learn Jazz Standards. We help musicians learn how to play jazz all while shortening the learning curve no matter what instrument you play. I am a jazz coach. I am all about helping others learn how to play jazz, learn how to play music, and have more fun than ever doing it. And that's exactly what we're talking about today. How do we actually have fun when we practice? You know, sometimes when we think back to practice, it comes back to our childhood a little bit. Many of us, you know, grew up where our parents may have at least initially forced us to play an instrument. I'm thinking of just the classic cliche, you know, your parents signing you up for piano lessons, right, as a a small kid. And of course, your parents want you to actually practice the thing that the teacher has given you. And sometimes, even in early childhood, we can kind of develop this negative association with practice. And I know that's not the case for everybody, but these kinds of attitudes towards practice can exist. And oftentimes, at the root of them is this feeling that you're doing some kind of homework or some kind of job, and there's a feeling of practicing is kind of boring or practicing is kind of hard. And so, Today, I want to talk about how do we make practicing not boring? Because the more that we view practicing as boring, the less we're going to reach our goals of playing music, of playing jazz, of improvising great jazz solos, uh, you know, playing great comping bass lines. You name it. Like we're going to be further away from reaching that goal if we don't embrace the idea of practicing being fun. Because in order to reach our goals, of course, we need to practice like it's just essential that we spend time with our instrument, that we practice learning songs, that we go through the motions that everybody who wants to master or improve at any sort of skill needs to actually go through. Right. So practice is essential to the musician and we want to have fun doing it and we want to be looking forward to the next time that we actually get to practice. So let's discuss five ways that you can make your practicing not boring. Number one, practice things that you like to practice. Practice things that you actually enjoy practicing. Now, this one might seem a little bit obvious, right? It seems almost like a little bit too in plain sight. However, The reward centers of our brain are more likely to be triggered when we're doing things that we actually enjoy doing. I mean, you've noticed that before, right? The things that you actually consistently will do time and time again are things that you actually have fun doing. So when we're practicing, we want to think about what are the things we actually love to practice? Do we love practicing scales? Do we love practicing certain songs? Do we love practicing chords? Do we love practicing uh, transcribing solos? I mean, you name it, right? What is it for you that you find fun? Maybe it's a certain way that you practice that is fun over another. We'll talk about that in a second. However, that is something that we need to think about. Now, this is not to say that like we only exclu- exclusively ever should practice things that we think are fun. Because sometimes the things that we think are fun to do are sometimes things that we're actually good at doing. And we know that in order to improve as musicians, we do sometimes need to go outside of our comfort zone and do things that we are actually not good at. However, to help us stay motivated to practice, we should definitely make sure that we are adding to our practice sessions things that we actually think are fun to practice, that we actually get excited about. So what I'd encourage you to do is actually spend some time thinking about what you like to practice because many of us don't really think about this or maybe aren't very consciously aware of, of the things that we actually like to practice. What is that excitement that we get? Like, why are we listening to this podcast right now? There's a reason why you are here today. Like, there's something about jazz and music and improving at it that excites you. So what is that specifically? And what are those moments where you feel the most joy when you play your instrument? So pay attention to that because automatically, you're gonna wanna add that into your practice session. and even if it's 25% of it, but it could be up to 50 to 75% of it, the things that you actually enjoy practicing. And especially as we keep going through this list of five things, you might find ideas or other ways you could even make things that you don't find as fun to practice fun. Okay, so keep that in mind. So number one is practice things you actually like to practice. Practice does not always have to be things that are hard or boring or monotonous, they should be things that you actually enjoy doing. Number two is practice high leverage activities. Practice high leverage activities. This is really huge. And this is something that we focus on, on our inner circle membership and learn jazz standards, practicing things that are going to actually make a big difference. All right. And what do I mean by that? I mean that when you do this activity, when you practice this specific thing, you notice that you improve by X percent, even if you can't put an actual mathematical number to that, that you know in your head that when I do this activity, I tend to improve faster or I tend to feel better about my playing or I tend to feel more excited. I tend to get more aha moments, right? You want to really tune into that. What are the Times when you're practicing certain things that you feel like you're getting more aha moments than other ones. That's a high leverage activity, right? The most general high leverage activity I can give you for jazz is learning new jazz standards, learning new songs. It's always going to be a high leverage activity because when you learn a new jazz standard you are essentially practicing hundreds of other jazz standards because you're practicing common core progressions you're practicing jazz language you can apply to other jazz standards you're practicing certain act, things within jazz standards like learning melodies by ear like learning chords like voicings you're practicing all these things that are actually applicable right learning a tune playing a song and are going to have a net you know compounding effect on all the other jazz standards and songs you want to play, right? So that's like a general high leverage activity. But for you, it could be very personal what that thing is, and it could be a little bit more detailed than that. Like, I feel like a high leverage activity is when I take a lick into all 12 keys, right? It, it may not be that for you. It could be something else. But that's really important because as soon as you're doing high leverage activities, you're seeing results a lot faster. Like you're noticing improvement a lot faster, which is an exciting thing. I don't know about you, but I really get annoyed, whether it's in music or another area of my life, when I'm working on something that has a very low return on value that doesn't really get me places very quickly that may have some value but isn't really going to get me the very obvious changes that I'm looking for. And so it's much more exciting to sit down to practice when you know you're working on something that's going to have a big impact on your playing that you can, you know, go, hey, wow, I improved by 1% in just this one practice session, or I improved by 5% in just this one practice session, right? Even if you can't put a mathematical number to it, it's this idea that like, wow, I can tell that I've moved the needle forward. That's a lot more exciting of a practice session than one where you're working on some very nuanced stuff that may or may not be getting you a lot of improvement in your playing. So that's number two, practice high leverage activities. Automatically when you do this, a lot more motivating. Your practice sessions will be a lot less boring. Number three, add purpose to your practice. Add purpose to your practice, okay? We're, we'll we talk about another one associated with this in just a second, but as far as I'm talking about add purpose to your practice, the question really you should be asking is, why am I doing this, okay? Why am I doing this? Practicing feels very boring and sometimes meaningless if you're working on some random thing and not knowing how it fits into the bigger picture. So for example... If you're practicing your major scales in all 12 keys, you need to ask yourself, why am I doing this, right? Not just someone told me to practice and know my scales in all 12 keys, and I actually don't know that right now, so I'm going to do it, right? The question has to be asked, why am I doing this? Is it just simply to know how to play major scales in all 12 keys, or is there a reason, right? Because scales in in themselves, like you're not going to go and go to a jam session and no one's going to call, oh, let's play our scales in all 12 keys, right? Or you're not going to play a performance for your family or even at a venue and play your scales in all 12 keys. Absolutely not, right? There's a reason you have to have for practicing your scales in all 12 keys. So why are you actually doing it? That's why I really love the idea of learning new jazz standards. That's We do that in our Inner Circle membership. That's why I mention it. We learn a new jazz standard every single month. The reason we do that is because a jazz standard is a song, right? And any kind of music. What well, what what are we learning the music to do? To play the songs, right? So we're we're learning jazz to play the songs. So let's just say you are working on scales. Like let's say you're working on your modes, right? Like the Dorian mode and the Mixolydian mode and the Ionian mode, right? Well, why are you doing it? Perhaps you're looking at a song like Autumn Leaves, and you're going, well, let's try getting used to some notes that we could play over these chords by thinking about it in terms of scales and modes, right? And then automatically, if you're thinking about this chord scale theory over this song, you're going to learn how to play your C Dorian mode. You're going to learn how to play your F Mixolydian mode, your B-flat Ionian, right? You're going to learn how to play your A Locrian and so on and so forth just by using scales in a more applicable way. Ear training is another one, right? So ear training is is great, right? We When I think of ear training in the most classical sense, I think of the fundamentals of ear training, which is like interval recognition. Can you hear a major third ascending or descending? Uh, perhaps it's chord recognition. Perhaps it's, you know, being able to sight sing something, right? This is like ear training 101 kind of stuff. and And it's great. Like there's nothing wrong with that. Um, fundamentals of ear training are great. That's why they're in college classes because they're fundamentals. They're like this foundational sense of building your ear, right? But why are you doing it, right? Why are you going through the process of figuring out what a major third or a perfect fourth sounds like? It could be a great idea for you, or it might not be a good idea for you. Maybe that's too boring. You know, the purpose for ear training right is to be able to play better solos better music and so a great way to practice ear training is what we call applied ear training which would be okay we're learning a jazz standard let's again use the example of autumn leaves what if my ear training is really just learning how to play the melody by ear from a recording right that's ear training right there now it's not going oh is this a perfect fourth or a, a, a major third no that's not that side of ear training. It's more applicable ear training. And so sometimes you want to make sure that like, hey, whatever I'm practicing, make sure there's a purpose to it. And absolutely, there could be a purpose to learning what a perfect force sounds like, 100%. But all that being said, why am I actually doing it? Because sometimes that's what makes practice boring is you're going through an exercise that you've learned from a a jazz or music theory book, right? You're doing something, right, that is told to you is a good idea, but you don't really know why you're doing it. You're just kind of doing it to check it off the list. And that's going to lead to pretty boring practice sessions. So we always want to make sure that there's purpose to what you're practicing. Number four is practice in a fun way. Practice in a fun way. This is really important, right? Because again, if we're really digging into psychology, right, of having fun, of staying motivated to practice, we have to think about what is actually fun for us, right? What's gonna give us that uh, dopamine hit, essentially, when we're practicing? Well, okay, let's just say a fun way for you to practice is with backing tracks versus a metronome, right? So, okay, great. More often than not, when you're practicing a song, use a backing track, because that's funner for you than a metronome. Am I saying never use a metronome, that there's no value in there? No. Because sometimes we do have to challenge ourselves. Sometimes we do have to look at where our musical weaknesses are and decide, well, you actually, I kind of need to work on you know, my time a little bit better. Maybe a metronome is one tool to do that, right? But again, more often than not, let's think about using a backing track if we've truly identified that's a fun way for us to practice. We can also think about practicing and fun in a different way, too. We can think of motivators, right? For example, Rewards. Like, hey, after I'm done practicing this thing, and perhaps it's a thing that you don't really want to practice, so it's kind of violating some of the other five things we're talking about here, particularly number one, practice things you like to practice. It's something that's challenging for you. But the goal here is, you know, at the end of this week or at the end of this practice session or at the end of me accomplishing this particular task of things I'm practicing, I'm going to reward myself with something that I actually like, right? It could be be food. It could be anything, right? It's just anything that you like to do. I like doing this for myself, honestly, is after I'm done doing this hard thing I don't really feel like doing, I'm going out for dinner tonight. It's those little things that kind of help you know, it, it's not necessarily making the practicing in the moment fun, but it's giving you the gamification of the practice of like, okay, we're going to go through this challenge, but on the other side of it is something external that might be enjoyable for me, right? It gets you over a hump, but it doesn't have to always be a hard thing that you're rewarding yourself with. It could just be anything. Um, always think about what makes practice fun for you. It could be very simple things like the room you practice in, right? Maybe you don't like the environment you're practicing in, okay? Try to figure out an environment you do enjoy practicing in. Maybe you like practicing outside more. Maybe you like practicing inside in a certain room a little bit more, right? It really could be anything. It's just uh, something to really think about. What makes practicing fun for me? What is a fun way for me to practice, right? and these can this can bleed into some of the other things i've talked about right like adding purpose to your practice working on high leverage activities right um those those things play into this idea of having fun when we practice right so set up yourself to win every single time by making your practice fun whatever fun means to you okay number 5 is practice with a goal in mind. This kind of ties a little bit back to number three, add purpose to your practice. But this is a little bit more bigger picture than that. Practice with a goal in mind. This is a really big deal. Practice can seem very boring and very demotivating if you don't really know what you're trying to accomplish or what you're trying to do at the end of all this, right? And you can set up different kinds of goals, like really big goals, like so perhaps your really big goal is I want to play at my public jazz jam session. Awesome. That's a great goal. It's a great thing to have in mind. Like, oh, this is why I'm practicing in the first place. Is like, I want to go up and play at the jam session. And let's say it's even a little bit more detailed than that. I want to go up and play at the jam session, but know most of the songs and feel comfortable and feel confident and uh, you know have have a good feeling about it. Not just a feeling of fear or anxiety when I'm going up to play in public, but actually have fun doing it, right? That's a, That's a re- great big goal, nice North Star for you just to go, oh, this is why I'm practicing in the first place. And automatically, just by doing that, Adding a little bit of a goal, an idea of what you're trying to accomplish, makes your practicing less boring because there's, again, going back to number three, a purpose to why you're practicing something. But of course, we don't want to just have a big lofty goal there. We want to figure out what are smaller goals we can do. And I like to call these projects. So what's a project that I can work on? Well, maybe a project is there's this Sonny Rollins solo you really like, and man, if you could just learn one chorus of that, you would feel so accomplished, and you'd hopefully pull away, I know you would, pull away some ideas of your own, or at least internalize some good jazz language, right? So that's that's a project, right? Learn one chorus of Sonny Rollins by ear. So now... You have this like motivation going. Oh, great! We have this project. Learn the Sonny Rollins solo. One course of the solo. We can get really great with our with our projects too. We can get really smart about our projects, rather where we're really making sure that we're practicing the things we like to practice. We're practicing with purpose. All those things together. So let's just say, one project is to learn a jazz standard that we heard at the public jam session, right? Let's just say that the song was called Out of Nowhere, right? It's Out of Nowhere. Great jazz standard, by the way, we've studied it in our inner circle membership. So we're, we're learning Out of Nowhere, right? Because we heard it played at this public jam session that we want to attend. Okay, so great. Now we've created a smaller project, Learn the Jazz Standard, over top of the overarching goal of playing at this jam session. Awesome. So we're already actually like tying these things together. Now we also go at the same time and cool because I need to figure out how to improvise better over top of the Sonny Rollins. Uh, sorry, <laughs> out of nowhere, we're gonna learn one course of Sonny Rollins solo on Out of Nowhere. Wow, doesn't that makes a lot of sense, right? So once we accomplish the project of learning the melody and the chords, which I would say is the foundation or the basics of learning a song, then we can go and start a new project of working on a Sonny Rollins solo. And let's just say we want to go further with this song. Well, maybe the next project after that is I want to compose my own solo on Out of Nowhere, right? You can get, a, you can get really deep into this and making sure that everything's kind of tied together and there's purpose to it. And automatically, this makes your practice sessions a lot less boring because A, you're constantly triggering the reward centers of your brain by accomplishing things, right? And you can, see, you can even set these to be smaller, Like right? Perhaps you're just thinking about it on a practice session by practice session basis. My goal today is to learn four bars of this Sonny Rollins solo. So at the end of the practice session, you're like, cool, I, I did it. I accomplished it. That makes the practice session a lot less boring because you're winning. Everybody likes to win, right? So we want to, I almost said the word like trick your brain, but that's not really what we're doing. But we just want to set up our brain for success by allowing it to get what it wants, triggering the reward centers of the brain there, getting that dopamine hit, making sure that we're feeling like we're actually doing something and accomplishing something. So that's number five, practice with a goal in mind. Super important. So to review this, five ways to making practicing not boring. Number one, practice things you like to practice. Number two, practice high leverage activities, things that give you big results. Number three, add purpose to your practice. Don't just be doing a meaningless task for no reason. Number four, practice in a fun way, ways that are fun for you to practice And number five, practice with a goal in mind or goals in mind. Consider all five of these things. Do a little bit of brainstorming for yourself this week, thinking about what those things are. And even just a little bit of time thinking about this could have a massive impact, right? Because imagine you're just excited always to pick up your instrument and play and pick up where you left off. That would be a great feeling, right? And if you were actually motivated to do that, you'd probably improve a lot quicker. All right, my friends, that's all for today's episode. By the way, if you ever wanna get help with your playing, uh, work on a new project every single month and you know, really just enjoy having fun and learning with other musicians, check out our Learn Jazz Standards Inner Circle membership. We have a lot of fun in there. ljsinnercircle.com is where you can check that out or we'll have the links in the show notes for you to check that out as well. Love to have you join us. Make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Don't want you to miss out on any episodes. And happy practicing. We'll see you next time. Cheers.